This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Amen, amen. It's still the blood of Jesus. That's what we're talking about and have been talking about. We're on sermon number five in this series, and I have one more to go with it next Sunday. And I pray that it'll be a blessing to you today. And my goodness, whenever you sing or talk or preach about the blood, you got to hold on tight because that's when the spiritual hurricanes come blowing in. And uh, maybe you've had some recently. I want to ask you to think about something today. Turn your Bibles with me, if you will, to Revelation chapter 5. I don't know how you're going to watch the sermon today by scripture reference, either on screen, in your Bible, on your phone, whatever means that you have that works best for you. But I want to remind you of something. A couple of years ago, several people had asked me to put in print the plan of salvation because several at that time was very interested in, we preached a sermon series on who's your one. You remember that sermon? People have asked me to preach that series again, and I may do it, but you remember who's your one. And you know who it is that you've been praying for, who you would like to see come to Christ. And so as a result of that sermon series and different ones becoming burdened for loved ones and friends and so forth, different ones had asked me to put the sinner's prayer in print. And this is the same prayer that I pray with you every Sunday at the end of the service. I've prayed this prayer with hundreds. I don't know. I'm keeping track with the ones that come to Christ in my funerals that I preach. And uh, I I think it's well into over a thousand people that have come to Christ in funerals, whether it's a funeral, whether it's in a church service or whatever it is. This is the prayer that I pray. Now, this prayer has been prayed many ways before in the past. There, There is no magic prayer. There is no magic wand, be saved. Doesn't work like that. So you could probably pray this prayer in its context many different ways. But I have found that this works very well for me, and uh, some of you have used it as well. I know Murdy has with her family. And so I have put the plan of salvation in print. Somebody might say, well, I don't know how to win anybody to Christ. I don't want to win people to Jesus because I'm scared that I'm going to mess it all up. Well, I have here for you the plan of salvation. And people have asked me to do this in the past, and I did that a couple of years ago. And on the back is what I call the sinner's prayer. I pray this prayer with you every Sunday. I asked some of you, and I went as far as to laminate this myself. I carry it in my Bible and have done so ever since that particular series. But the message that I'm going to preach for you today, if there were two things that I could ask you to laminate and keep in your Bible, when Lucille Leatherwood passed away, I was looking through her Bible just minutes after she had passed with her son, Dwayne, and this popped out of her Bible. And uh, she took this very seriously. I hope and pray that some of you have done that as well. 
But if there were two things that I could ask you to laminate and keep in your Bible for safe keeping, because let me tell you this, you're going to, you're going to need this one day for sure. Somebody in your family, somebody in your reach will need to know the simple plan of salvation. And you will need to pray that prayer with them. Because you see, there'll be a day when this kind of thing happens that I won't have time to get from my house to your house or my house to your hospital bed. From my house to that car wreck on the highway. There'll be times when people are in the balance between eternity, life, and death that you're just going to have to step up and help them with God's amazing grace. And so you have this in your Bible. If you don't have it, ask the office to get you another copy, laminate it, put it in your Bible. But listen carefully. The message that we're talking about today, and there are six sermons in this series on It's Still the Blood. And today I'm speaking on six precious words about the blood. Next Sunday, as I bring this series to a conclusion, I'm going to be talking about the unpardonable sin. What is that? Putting that message aside for right now, the message that I'm speaking on today, six precious words about the blood. You need to know about the blood of Jesus because the blood of Jesus is the only thing that you will have accessible to you that will defeat the powers of darkness, the powers of the devil. Nothing else on the face of this earth can protect you anymore than the blood of Jesus. So you need to know a lot about it. You need to know all you can about it. And I have broke this particular sermon down in a very simplistic way and have given you six words to know what the transforming, wonder-working power in the blood, what it can do for you. And so I pray that you will follow along closely with me we're in Revelation chapter 5. I love to preach out of Revelation. Most of you know that beginning in January, I will begin another set of prophecy sermons that I have preached uh, for 20 years maybe. It's good to know about Bible prophecy, about the end times, about what Jesus said would be the last days. And if you are a Bible student... You cannot deny the fact that we are in the last of the last days. And so I'm looking forward, if Jesus tarries is coming unto then, to uh, preach some prophetic sermons to you again. But this morning, I want you to follow along with me because I have made this as simple as possible. You know, the Bible talks about childlike faith. And what I have given you this morning, a child with some diligent attention could understand this. So what I'm going to do for you, I'm going to ask that you read patiently with me 
beginning in Revelation chapter 5, and I'm going to read for you these most important verses, verse 1 through verse number 14, and it's going to take some time. So don't get distracted. Please focus with me. I have given you the background of this multiple times, but let me this morning give you some real simple thoughts. The Apostle John is on the island of Patmos, and he has been put there in the perception of those in authority because of his preaching and his testimony stirring up ruckus in the vicinities of where he lived and where he taught and where he worked, they said, let's put this man in a place where he can no longer affect anybody else ever again. The year was A.D. 96. They took John to this island called Patmos. They sailed away and left him there to die. Some people, some scholars believe that John actually got off of Patmos and that he died in Ephesus several years later. I'm not going to go there with that this morning. It would take too much time. But what those people did not realize, and neither did John really at the time, that God would give him the greatest revelation that has ever been recorded on parchment by pen through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And these are the words. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the back side, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book? And to loose the seals thereof. And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I, John, I wept much. Because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, John, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints." And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, 
and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth And such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. This is a picture, what we have just read, it's a picture of a scene that is going to take place in heaven one day. It's taking place at the throne of God. The apostle John, he's caught up in the spirit, the word says, and he all of a sudden, he hears a strong angel ask a question. The question is this, John Who is worthy to open the seven-sealed book? Now, the seven-sealed book, it deals with things past, present, and future. So the angel is saying, John, who is worthy to open the book? And John looked around, and he instantly knew that no one was worthy to open the book. Now, here is the question. You have to look, this is important. This is how important it is to take the word of God in context. Because one word misappropriated and you can take the whole thing out of context. But look at this very carefully. The question is this, who is worthy? Not who is willing. That's significant. I'm sure... If the question was, who is willing? Well, there would be multitudes of people like Simon Peter brush up to the Lord and say, I'll do it. Well, I'll do it. This world is filled with tons of egotistic people that think that they are really qualified or self-proclaimed super spiritual people and They would say, hey, I'll do it, I'll do it, but I want you to listen and look carefully. The question was not about who was willing, but it was about who is worthy. That's a big difference, and John could not find anyone, and as a result of that, he looked all around, and as a result, the Scripture says that he began to weep. And in his breaking moment, an angel said, John, compose yourself. Get yourself together because we know of somebody. We know of one. He is the lion from the tribe of Judah. He is from the root of David. And he and he alone is worthy to open this seven-sealed book. 
and his heart was about to beat out of his chest, and in the blink of an eye, there stood a lamb. And then everyone, according to the word of God, started to fall prostrate down before him. And the word of God says that everybody, all at once, the throne of heaven began to sing a new song. And that song was, worthy is the lamb that was slain. This beautiful music of heaven is centered around the cleansing, redeeming blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of heaven is testifying in song that the entire plan of human redemption is only acceptable to God by and through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and that alone. By the way, the blood of Jesus is a message that the devil hates because the blood is the only thing that brings defeat to him. In fact, there's a scripture that I don't have on today's outline that I would like for you to incorporate, and that is Revelation chapter 12, verse number 11. You're not far from that in the location where we are, but write a reference of this scripture down. Revelation 12, 11, the word of God says, and they overcame him, look at this, they overcame him, talking about Satan, by the blood of the Lamb. It's like I told you in the beginning of today's message, the blood of Jesus is the only thing that can defeat the devil. All of your Hail Marys, whoever prays them, all of your incense balls shaken, all of your good works, anything that you could imagine, if you put it all in one big truckload, there is absolutely nothing that can defeat the powers of darkness other than the blood of Jesus. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. By the way, that's a three-point sermon, and I don't have time to preach it. It's a message that the devil hates. The devil does not have the ability to penetrate the precious royal crimson blood of Jesus. It's a message that he hates, and it's a message that the world rejects. The blood of Jesus goes all the way back to Genesis. Now, let me quickly this morning give you six precious words about the blood. And if you're following along in your outline today, we have underlined the first word, and it is redemption. And I want you to draw very special attention to this word, redemption. Redemption is a precious word about the blood. Redemption is not for sale. There was a price against humanity that no man could pay. Redemption could have only been made possible through the precious blood of the Lord. And I want to repeat a verse that you have already read before in this series, and I want to reference it again. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, and this is what the Scripture says. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, wherein to ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. And so that's very, very important. We were not 
look at this. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the traditions of your fathers. And then we go to verse 19. But with the precious blood of Christ and as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now I want you to look part at the first part of that scripture. The precious blood of the Lord Jesus. Look at this thing here, silver and gold. And here's the thing. We've got to tell the world that the blood of Jesus, listen carefully, is not for sale. No one was at the foot of the cross selling little vials of blood when Jesus died on the cross. The blood was not, is not, will never be for sale. If it was, listen carefully, if the blood of Jesus and salvation was for sale, here's what would happen. People would be putting it in little vials and they would be selling it on every street corner. And people would circle the world multiple times, waiting in line, trying to buy it if it was for sale. But because it's free, the majority of the world doesn't want to have anything to do with it. But if it was for sale... People would be in it making money like a racket. And let me tell you this, in Acts chapter 8, that's exactly what somebody tried to do. In Acts chapter 8, Simon the sorcerer, turn your Bibles there real quickly. Get 8, chapter 8, Acts 8, verses 18 through 20 on the screen for us. And I want you to see this man, Simon the sorcerer, that's exactly what he tried to do. He tried to buy it. He tried to buy, purchase the gift of God. In Acts chapter 8, verse number 18, the Bible says, And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. So get this true, salvation cannot be bought, sold, or earned. It's a 100% free gift. That's why the scripture says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so the gift of God was the blood of Jesus and so if we're not under the blood, listen carefully. And those of you that are watching at home today, please listen carefully with us. If we are not under the blood, if we're not covered by the blood, then we cannot go to heaven. In order to receive this gift, we have to repent of our sins and we have to ask the Lord Jesus to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us and we have to open our hearts up unto him. He doesn't put all good people on a good list. And listen carefully. He's not like Santa Claus. He doesn't have a naughty list and a good list. People do not go to heaven because they're good and they do not go to hell because they're bad. They go to heaven because they have opened their hearts to Jesus. They have trusted him to be the only way. They have his precious blood covering them and people die and go to hell because they refused to call upon the name of Jesus. And so invite him into your heart today. Let him be the Savior and Lord of your life. The second precious word about the blood is the word forgiveness. If you're following along in your outline today, underline the word. It is for you here. 
Here's the thing that I want you to remember, that forgiveness is part of redemption. In fact, that's what the word remission is all about, forgiveness. Jesus used this word remission, referencing forgiveness in the Last Supper. Look with me in Matthew chapter 26, verse 26 through 28. As they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood. Now let me say this. Jesus was not passing out his literal blood for people to drink at the Lord's Supper. We do not believe in transubstination, and this is a major doctrine of the Catholic religion. They believe that when you take communion, when you put the wafer in your mouth, they believe that it automatically turns into the literal flesh of the body of Christ. You know, and I know, that's not happening. They also believe that when you take the cup, it turns into the literal blood of Christ. That doesn't happen. And Jesus was not instructing these people to have barbaric and cannibalistic type of behavioral acts. There's a spiritual application here. And notice this in verse number 28. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. It was a type of his body. It was a type of his blood. Look at this. Which is shed for the remission of sins. That means for the forgiveness of sins. So you could read it actually with that word. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the forgiveness of sins, the remission of sins. In fact, in Hebrews 9.22, the Bible says this, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood there is no remission or no forgiveness. So you have to understand that redemption is a precious word of the blood. It's not for sale, and forgiveness is part of redemption. And let me tell you this, that Jesus made this possible on the cross. The forgiveness of sin and the extension of mercy. And I want you this morning to let this glorious truth sink down deep in your heart today. God does not have to do anything to prepare himself and make himself ready for us to repent. Think through this truth for a minute. He doesn't have to put heaven through some kind of ritual. He doesn't have to make some kind of preparation for us to repent. He doesn't have to do one thing to make himself ready for us to repent. The truth of the matter is this. He is standing, willing, ready, and able for all of us to come to the throne of grace and to say I'm sorry and to confess our sins and for us to repent. I want you to see a precious verse of Scripture in the book of Nehemiah. Turn there with me real quickly. Look at it on the screen here. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 17. And refuse to obey... 
Neither were mindful of thy wonders. I love the Old Testament. You say, preacher, that was under the law. Yeah, but it's still good today too. Look at this. And refused to obey, neither were mindful of thy wonders that thou didst among them, but hardened their necks. And in their rebellion, in their rebellion, appointed a captain to return to their bondage. Notice this. But thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and forsookest them not. God doesn't have to do anything to get himself ready to us for us to repent. He's ready. He's standing at the door. He's ready and available right now. Somebody here say amen. Look at this. The truth of the matter is God is ready right now. All you have to do is come to him. The problem is not God. The problem is millions of people are not ready. They're saying, listen, I got some more wild oats to sow. Maybe that's you today. I'm not ready, preacher, to be tamed by the Holy Spirit. I'm not ready to allow the Holy Spirit to have reign on my mortal body. I'm not ready for the Holy Spirit to take control of my mind. I'm not ready for the Holy Spirit to take control of my tongue. I'm not ready for the Holy Spirit to take control of my mood, my attitude, my actions, my deed, my conduct, my behavior. I'm just not ready for the Holy Ghost to do that. When I get ready to dot my I's and cross my T's and get all my ducks in the row, then I may think about it and let the Holy Spirit have his way with me. Listen, you're playing Russian roulette with your soul. None of us have the guarantee to see the sunset tonight or the sunrise tomorrow. Can the church say amen? The third precious word about the blood is this, that word justified. I've underlined it for you. We are justified by his blood. Romans 5 verse 9. Much more than being now justified by his blood. That word justified means just as though we have never sinned. Much more than being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. Listen carefully. Our justification makes us reconciled with God. Not one time in the Bible does the word say that God had to be reconciled. The enmity between us and his righteousness, listen, is totally alone on our part. It was us that needed to be reconciled with God, not God to be reconciled with us. Think about another beautiful truth here. It's found in Romans 5, 8, and you're very familiar with this scripture. If not, you ought to be. But God commended his love towards us. Listen, not when we were lovely, not when we were ready, not when we were good, not when we were holy, not when we were righteous, not when we were acceptable, but God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were wretched and vile and filthy and condemned, Christ died for us. If God's love reached out to us when we were sinners, think about how much more we are affected by the blood when it covers us. 
The blood of Jesus saves us from the penalty of sin. It saves us from the power of sin. It saves us from the presence of sin one day yet to come. Thank God, listen carefully, when we all get to heaven, no one will carry suitcases into heaven full of sin. Aren't you glad sin is not ever going to be welcomed in that holy city? Hey, aren't you glad that when you get to heaven, you'll never hear another curse word? Aren't you glad when you get to heaven, there'll be no more crooked politics? The fourth word I'd like for you to see this morning, and I have it underlined, we have cleansing, cleansing through the blood. It does not matter what sin you have ever committed. The blood of Jesus cleanses all sin. I'm thankful for this. Look at 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Look at this. Not my good works. Not my good behavior. Not the fact that I'm a good Samaritan. And the blood of Jesus Christ. His son cleanseth us, not from most, cleanseth us from all. Can the church say amen? From all sin. When you come to Jesus for the cleansing power, listen, it's not just cleansing from your past. It's not just cleansing from your past sin, but it's cleansing from the sins that you commit today and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. It will work for tomorrow and the day after tomorrow and until Jesus comes. The blood continually cleanses us. The fifth precious word about the blood is the word peace. Underline the word peace, if you will. Because man, listen carefully, by nature... By birth, conception, man is at war with God. No one ever comes out of the womb saying to God, be the glory, great things he hath done. We, we don't come into this world where somebody's got to teach us to be bad. If you were born on Patmos, like John the Revelator was exiled, and you were put on Patmos all by yourself, listen, and you were never exposed, never exposed to sin. If you were never exposed to the filth and the wretchedness of this world, you were never enlightened to a corrupt imagination you would still have to trust Jesus as your Savior. The Scripture says even nature itself teaches us that there is a God. And here is the thing. We don't come into this world good. We come into this world 
with the condemnation of hell and death hanging over our heads. And only the blood of Jesus can interrupt that. It's the blood of Jesus that can give you peace. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, the Bible says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Think about this right now. Think about all the attacks going on against peace in this world today. And every single one of us that sit in this auditorium this morning and who are watching by internet today, we're understanding what's going on in Afghanistan right now. And I will tell you this, there are wars circling all around that place. I've got two grandsons in the military. Some of you have loved ones in the military right now. They're wearing a uniform and they're just a call away from being called up and served. I understand they're sending some of these Afghan refugees to Fort Lee. They're sending some to the Camp Pickett, where my grandson works and serves it when it's his time to be called up. And I will tell you this, friend. I don't care what political party you are for and what political party you are against, but it's my firm belief that we as Americans, listen, we should not get out of that place until every single American is safely outside of that city and we need to get our stuff and we need to just wave oh glory, get everything we've ever committed out of there. Do not even leave a dead body behind. Bring them all home. Whoa! Hallelujah. Bring them all home. Glory to God. We're, we're seeing wars in our politics and even with COVID-19. We're, we're seeing people against people, person against person. There'll be no peace until Jesus comes. Let me ask you, are you longing for peace today? By the way, there are three kinds of peace that you can have. Number one, you can have peace with God. Peace with God comes at the cross. At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. And the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. When you give your heart to Christ, you remember the old song, kneel at the cross, leave every care, he will meet you there. When you come to Christ at the cross, you can have peace. And then after the cross, after you have been gloriously born into the family of God, birthed by his blood, through his sovereign grace, his infinite mercy, then you can have peace of God. See, there's what, there, there is what is called the peace of God, and you get that at the cross with God at the cross, but the peace of God, listen, this is how it works. Have you ever been in a situation, I'm talking as a believer, because as a believer, listen, you have been saved by God's amazing grace, and the minute you got saved, the Holy Spirit came in. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you have been troubled through the night, you've been troubled through the day, 
Your heart has been heavy. Your heart has been wounded. Your heart has been breaking. You didn't know what to do. And the Spirit of God, you claimed Romans 8, 26, 27, and 28, where the Bible says the Spirit of God makes intercessions for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And then all of a sudden, you felt as if you had the weight of the world. It just seemed to be lifting from your shoulders. You still had the same burdens. You still had the same problems. You were still facing the deadline. But all of a sudden, because you are in Christ, the weight of that just seemed to lift you. Have you ever felt that? Hey, how about this? You were facing a situation and you didn't know what to do. You didn't know whether to walk through this door. You didn't know which path to take. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the door opened. You ever been there? Remember like when Peter was in jail? And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the doors opened up. He's stepping over to guards, pardon me please, and he's walking out. Listen, when you're in Christ, at times when you don't know what to do about not knowing what to do, and the Holy Spirit opens the door, and it's a wonderful feeling. But it works the same way when God closes the door. When God closes that door, when God opens it, nobody can shut it. When he shuts it, nobody can open it. And it may not be what you prayed for, but when he shuts the door, he will give you peace that passeth all understanding. So at the cross, you have peace with God. When the Holy Spirit comes in, he's now your comforter. You can have the peace of God, two different things. And then one day, according to the word of God, there will be peace among the nations when Jesus rules and reigns from the throne of David for 1,000 years. I want our musicians to come forward. The sixth precious word about the blood, I want you to underline it, is the word boldness. You have boldness with God through the blood of Jesus. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 19. Having therefore, brethren, look at this now, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. And in Hebrews 4, 16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I'm so thankful. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burden so found liberty at Calvary. The blood, listen now, makes it okay to approach the throne of God. The blood, listen, let me help you with this just for a brief moment. The blood is not like a visa. The blood is not like a passport. Oh, with a passport, you can go anywhere. But every 10 years, 
you got to renew it. Or it's no good. You can have a stack of passports in a shoebox. And if it's expired, it will not help you one bit. The blood of Jesus is not like a visa or a passport. The blood of Jesus makes it accessible for you to approach the throne forever and forever and forever. How long is forever, preacher? And of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Well, I'll tell you what. Some of you, if you get that, it just might make you a Episcopalian. <laughs> Some of you, you get that truth, it might make you a Methodist. But some of you, if you get it, my goodness, you're going to do a holy jig and a holy shout. You're going to say, thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.